the owner of Elotech and the host of Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To. I'm here with Beth Elliott, our marketing coordinator. Hi, guys. How you doing today? Hey, listen, what's the... Uh, I'm going to let you say today's <laughs> okay. topic because I don't know if I can pronounce it right. It's a, it's a smart people word. <laughs> uh, I had to look it up. <laughs> no, it's a, it called Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To... Dot, 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 be myopic. And that means short-sighted. Um, it's more about about you know focusing on one thing but before we get into that what have you been up to lately brandon well not my i don't know if i've been myopic or not (laughs) um well i hope not (laughs) well you know we just came through an election that's been interesting i've tried to keep that turned off absolutely and just separate from that too much stress i'm ready for positive this 2020 has been a challenge for positive and we need more positive so i've been trying to just be positive that's a great yes we all need to stay positive yeah. well yeah <laughs> i mean the sun always right the sun will always rise you yeah. know so we just gotta and it doesn't matter how many good or bad decisions we make the sun will always come up the next day we can't we can't stop that so um well, yeah that, what about you well uh, i just wanted to talk about what uh we're doing with these podcasts and we're just trying to go over the things for manufacturers to help benefit and empower them. And, uh, that's my focus has been on this. (laughs) Best whole world has been the podcast and mine too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well that is our mission statement as a company. So Elotech's mission statement is to empower our clients uh, to to do that through a, a few ways, and we hope that this podcast, of course, is, is part of that, which is is to provide more insights, to buy, provide hopefully helpful perspectives, um, some that come from experience, some that come from book smarts, I guess. Uh, but um, not every solution is the best solution, but sometimes it's the best for the situation, and I think that's a little bit different of our perspective is um, everybody wants the perfect solution for the perfect amount of money to to last, you know, the perfect amount of time, and uh, which is usually forever uh, with no support. And so you can't get to all those things. Uh, but sometimes the best solution may not be the one that's marketed the best. It may be the one that actually fits your needs. And so we want to be talking about those types of solutions. Uh, and, and like you said today, is the, the, the meaning of myopic is to be able to see things clearly, uh, especially things that are farther away. And so sometimes uh, manufacturers today, especially in this 2020 environment, Boy, I've talked to some companies uh, as we get the opportunity uh, to go out and talk to them that some are having, unfortunately, furloughing people. They're laying people off. Their business is way off. And then some are just, they can't find enough people to work. Uh, they're, they're, the, the employees are just worn out from all the overtime because of all the orders. that. So it really, 2020 has just been a really crazy, crazy year uh, for um, manufacturers and and I think 
is is going to give way to an even crazier 2021. And so, you know, notwithstanding election years and things of that nature and pandemics and all the other stuff that you can't, well, we can plan for an election year, but we can't plan for a pandemic. It's been really interesting to see what's going on. So I think being able to clearly see things that are far away is a good theme as far as empowering folks because there's a lot of people that are worried either because they're going to miss the truck from all the orders or they're worried because there are no trucks and they have to find a way to position themselves in a better position. Okay. Yeah. So today's topic is about perceptions and how these beliefs or opinions are based on how things seem. Uh, The perceptions that some folks have uh, won't allow them to see the forest for the trees. Brandon, you describe, can you describe to the, for the listeners a time when a customer was focused on one piece of the manufacturing puzzle, like a sensor, and what implications, if any, that had on the project? Well, you're right. I mean, the force for the trees, force for the trees. We, we've, I mean, that's an old, old adage. Uh, the one that comes to mind was a situation where uh, the um, I'll give a perfect example. This leads into what we're going to be talking about in just a minute on the next next subject, which uh, has to do with uh, process data, which means a, a machine or a cycle or a process, a manufacturing process. And processes have um, faults, we would call them, or downtime events. Okay. So they were checking, counting the quantity of downtime events at certain machines. And based upon the quantity of downtime events, how many occurred uh, across multiple machines, and they were checking, wasn't just one machine, they're checking multiple processes or machines, machine processes, uh, throughout the manufacturing cycle or process. They were checking them all, and if they had one specific, uh, they were counting the quantity of these defects. And so their budgeting, their cap CapEx schedules for upgrades, maintenance upgrades and, and, and you know, countermeasures and things of that nature was based upon the quantity of defects. It had been for a number of years. Um, And then suddenly, in this case, they were blessed with what's called a data commander manufactured by Elotech. And they were able to get to other, to do other things. And in this case, they were able to actually, when those defects occurred before, they had a sensor that would just say it was running or not running. It was up or down. On or off, that kind of thing. Very discreet. Okay. With the data commander, they were still seeing the, the discrete up or down, but now we could mark time. And they begin to overlay the number of defects on top of the total amount of attributed downtime. So if it was this defect, how much downtime did we realize versus if it was another defect? I'm not sorry, not defect, machine fault. It's, it's important. I, did, I misspoke. It's not <laughs> defect because defects have to do with products and faults have to do with processes or machines. And that's a very important thing when it comes to data uh, and interpreting the data. So, um, but in this case, they they had been setting all of their budgets based upon the squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel gets grease, huh? That's right. Uh, the more downtime events that you had, just on-off discrete count, the more we would focus at that. And what they found was their largest downtime event, if they made improvements, was only responsible for about... 1% of their total downtime. Oh my goodness. And the fourth, so the largest number of defect, uh, fault machine faults, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth 
which didn't have many, but attributed to nearly 90% of their downtime occurrence. Wow. So by putting, they shifted all their budgets then to that number four defect that they had never paid attention to because the quality, you could say the quality of the improvement had a larger impact, much, much larger impact because it, it now was a 10% improvement across 90% of your downtime versus a 10% improvement across 1% of your downtime. That's amazing. Yeah, and it was a it was a fantastic way. And so it just leads us into our our, our next subject, which is KPIs, key performance indicators, uh, because one of these, uh, uh, the number of defects, is a single, oh, single indicator. K- okay, okay. And so key performance indicators are anything that has to do with the performance of your process and gives an indication of that. So... Uh, we call them key because there's a lot of indicators that don't really mean much. Uh, you know, you, you know, you 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 can look at the refrigerator and say, well, the refrigerator is running. But that doesn't mean there's food inside, and it doesn't necessarily mean the food inside is good. It just means the refrigerator is running, so it's probably cold. So, but it may be perfectly cold, bad food. So, some performance indicators aren't as impactful as others, and so we refer to those as key performance indicators. Um, and that said, in those cases, we had two indicators. We had the quantity and then the amount of downtime, which would be the quality. I would call that the quality or the impact. How much impact did each of those those machine downtime uh, faults? I may have said defect again just now. If I did, forgive me. I mean to say machine faults when it comes to this uh, example. So those are KPIs. So what are the important KPIs in manufacturing that help uh, corporate meet their objectives? Well, now we're stepping into a I think more into the quality department, the QA department, quality assurance. And so this is where quality and production kind of comes together. Uh, So production, let's start there. At the end of the day, we want to produce good parts. That's right. Our pieces or widgets or whatever. And so things like production volume, just how, how much are you producing? That's, that's fairly straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. So, so today we did a hundred widgets tomorrow. We hope to do 110. You know, that's just how much volume. Downtime we just talked about is just how much production downtime, how much were we not produced, how much time of the time we're counting, and we'll draw back to that in a minute, but of the time that we're keeping, that we're saying is production time, how much of that was spent producing, we call that uptime, versus not producing, which is downtime. And then what's the real cost of production? So production... Uh, usually, uh, on the most basic level, we think of production costs being, this is the cost of my raw materials, this is the cost of my labor, um, and put those two together, add them together, that's your cost of production. But anybody that's a production engineer knows there is a lot more that can be figured into the cost of producing something. Just having lights on over your head, having an air-conditioned space, a clean room environment, those kind of things. And then the equipment that you're using comes into play as well. And so now we begin to slide out of production-specific indicators and move into more, I guess you would call them, I think of them as quality, but it's it's probably more production, but it's process-based things. So things like OEE, overall OEE, that's what I said, because there's an OOE. OEE, overall equipment effectiveness is usually our efficiency is what we, we refer to that as. Uh, OEE, that basically assesses the the scheduled efficiency. And, and that's important, scheduled, scheduled. Wow. efficiency of our equipment. So your equipment can be, I can have equipment that can make 
tons of parts. But if there's a bottleneck upstream or downstream, and that equipment setting idle, it, yield, it creates an idle condition, it's not really downtime. It's not broken. Downtime events happen from machine faults. Oh, okay, okay. It's not broken. It's just being underutilized. Okay. So how effective across the scheduled efficiency of the equipment? So if we're expecting that machine to only run 50% and it runs 100% of the time during that 50% okay. of the shift, then it's perfect. But if you're expecting that equipment to run 100% of the time during the shift and it only runs 50%, then now you're, you're you half okay. Okay. Uh, of your, your OEE. And okay. so it, everything's a bit of an, an equation. What are the other KPIs that... Uh, manufacturers should look at well there's there's a few others oee is probably the most marketing friendly term of any so unless you've been living under a rock during this iot movement oee is what everybody's after um or so they tell you you know the people that are trying to sell stuff okay okay but any again going back to anybody in production uh, there's there's other things you need to look at to get the, the bigger picture. And so one of the other ones that's probably lesser known is overall operations effectiveness, OOE. And that's where we start looking at operational efficiency. So so basically, your OEE decides how, how many parts, good parts you can make across a time. Okay. The OOE really looks at the efficiency. So how much... How many good parts were made versus how many could have been made? Oh, okay. So again, that's where we're getting into some of the use, the efficient use of the equipment, um, which really now expands into really the entire process. So once again, if you have one, you have a, an operation that's either really, really fast or really, really slow compared to the up, upstream or downstream processes, then you get to a point where you have what's called bottlenecks in that it's either being starved or it's starving something downstream. Oh, okay. Um, so now we, the way we kind of look at the whole thing all together, they refer to as TEEP. TEEP. What is that? you got to explain that for yeah. our listeners. <laughs> so that's an acronym, T-E-E-P, TEEP, Total Effective Equipment Performance. And, and that tracks the overall effectiveness of whatever it is you're, man, you're, you're measuring. And, and so a lot of this is subjective. I said earlier, we talk about solutions, not the best solution, but solutions, because a solution may be fantastic for one manufacturer uh-huh. and mediocre for someone else. So really you have to come down, everything's subjective. We're not all making the same part. Oh, okay. So you got to take into account all the different parts and equipment that Processes they have. Processes and the whole pro- nine, Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Um, because... Because what if someone's making I don't know uh, tractors there there's more involved with the, so the pieces and parts are probably a lot heavier than someone making printed circuit boards uh, uh, or uh, you know there, we've got a great company around here locally that that makes medical kits and so if you've ever seen in the movies uh, that's where I would have seen it or if you've ever had surgery hopefully you didn't have to deal with that too much but uh, uh, the nurse basically brings out a tray and lays it out it's it's pre-covered, it's sterile, uh-huh. and they open it up. It's a single use, and it has all the surgical equipment there laid out really nicely on the tray. Yeah. Well, that's done by a company, but that, for the most part, is done manually uh, still, oh, believe wow. it or not. Wow. Because 
there are so many variations and so many differences in, in the instruments and stuff like that. It, it's very expensive to try to automate that. Um, so it really comes down to what you're doing. But you can measure these things because the, remember we're measuring. Sometimes we're measuring equipment, but sometimes we're measuring just the operation, which okay. is people. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so now all of a sudden, TEEP, makes, basically TEEP takes into, which again is total effective equipment performance. And this is an equipment-based KPI. And that's what we're going to be focused on is that, that. But people come into play. People come into play because there's things called walk time. Walk time. Yeah. So if I'm if I have a machine where I put the stuff in, all the load in all the pieces and parts and hit the start button. Oh, you and just it walk does away? all this stuff and you walk I walk away and it's working on its thing and it gets done and it's like, okay, here's the finished part that I've just you know, the robot's finished it or whatever. Okay. If you're not there to take it out and put another one in, uh. So you, sometimes you have to pull that out, walk it over, put it into a box or the next process or something, and then come back and grab the next piece's parts, load it back up. So that's what we call walk time. The machine's not running during that time, but it's not broken. So what would that be then? Um, well, that, that comes into the total effective equipment performance. Okay, okay, okay. Basically, TEEP measures, TEEP measures your your performance across all time. Oh. So 365, if you were able to produce 365 days a year, 24 hours a day is the way that fundamentally TEEP works. And then you have to subtract or consider in that all the, uh, you know, the unscheduled time, the, um, not, uh, the, the not planned or the not scheduled time. So time that's just not scheduled. So we're closed on Thanksgiving Day. If we were manufacturer, then that means Thanksgiving Day, we are not scheduled to work. Okay. So, but TEEP doesn't, you oh, subtract doesn't that care. from your TEEP because TEEP decides, again, what's the, what's the best case? What's the, what's the biggest potential, the largest potential that you could get to with the equipment that you have? Oh, okay. Okay. And then from there, you can uh, decide whether or not what needs to be fixed or um, if you need better equipment or if you or can utilize. Equipment? That's uh, right. Or if something's being underutilized, then you know that that needs to fo- be focused on that. Is that what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because in my opinion, it all boils down to TEEP. So all these other things. And the one thing we haven't talked about is availability. Oh, the overall availability. And availability comes into play with overall equipment effectiveness. It comes into play with, with TEEP. It comes into play with all these things. And availability, it's how availability is measured. That's, again, that's the subjective thing. It's you... At the end of the day, you have to know your production process. You have to know what you're doing. Because the TEEP, then ultimately, we look at the TEEP and we can make decisions like, do we need to add another line, another production line? Or is our line just not being utilized efficiently? And, and of course, it's a lot better to increase the efficiency on equipment that you already have. It's already in a depreciation schedule or whatever. You already got an ORI underway, a return on investment. Um, Once you have equipment, once you spend that money, you're looking for a return on your investment. Yes. Well, going out and buying another one has its own return on investment. So if you don't have to add equipment, you're better off to not. But the TEEP is, is where we all boil it down because it encompasses the effectiveness of the equipment that you've got it encompasses the overall operations effectiveness 
all those things and then the availability and also the quality so what's your actual output and what's your good part percentage of that those kind of things all come into play um, a machine can produce parts very efficiently but if you don't take the quality aspect in it may be efficiently producing bad parts oh, we don't <laughs> which like is that. totally counterproductive <laughs> so KPIs, key performance indicators, require us to to look at multiple ones. We we have to begin to put them all together. I fly airplanes. Yes, you not, mentioned not that. Not professionally. You, you mentioned that in the last podcast yeah, when I, I asked it, you about the pitch, yaw, and roll. It, it's one of my expensive hobbies that I don't get to do very often, which saves me money, I guess. Uh, but in an airplane, of course, today, nowadays, we have glass panels and that kind of thing. It makes it really nice. But but before, and many, many people still fly what we call a six-pack. And so that means we have our our, our directional gyro, our artificial horizon, uh, our airspeed indicators, our vertical speed indicator, all these different things. There's six instruments. Are those KPIs? Well, they kind of can be, yeah. If we, if one of those is off, it can change your day. Uh, if, you, if you're not seeing it, you're not measuring it correctly. Uh, but we have to look at each one of those okay. and derive meaning from each one. But, not, but one on its own will not give the entire picture. Oh, of what's okay. going on with the airplane. Now, again, this is kind of getting into if you're flying just with what we call instruments instead of looking out the window. I mean, certainly you can look out the window and tell if the plane's upside down or if it's going up or down, those kind of things. But when we're flying by instruments, those six instruments are what we have to rely upon. Okay. And so in manufacturing, it's a lot the same. If you have no instruments or your instruments are not reading correctly, you have to be able to determine that and act on it or know to ignore that instrument and, and rely on the others. You're not getting the complete picture if you don't have all the instruments, but you can get a pretty good picture from some of the instruments. But there are key instruments. There are instruments that are more important, have a larger impact than others, but you should be able to derive anything, even if you lost one or even two of the instruments. If you lose all the instruments, you have no idea what's going on with the airplane. If you do not have or are not utilizing any KPIs in your manufacturing process, you have no clue what's going on. You may have a hunch or a feeling, but you probably get surprised often. Or you have questions like, well, what happened? Why did that occur? What's that stuff over there? Why do we have more of this and none of this? That's where KPIs come into play. I said when we were talking about our IoT stuff, we talked about IoT cybersecurity in previous podcasts. We talked about IoT in general. If, if you're not planning on making business decisions, educated business decisions based upon the data coming from your production processes and manufacturing processes, then you don't need to invest in IoT. That's what it is for, to be able to derive these things. And you can derive this manually. You don't have to have an IOTA or a data commander or anybody else's product out there doing automatically. It's more accurate. I think it's easier. You get a bigger picture, don't you? You get a bigger picture because you're pulling more data. There's less mistakes, so you can trust your instruments more. Those kind of things. But you you can still go out with a stopwatch and measure your, your up times and your down times and take, take those indications. The point is do it. You need to do it because, honestly, it does me very good from a moral standpoint and also hopefully from a business standpoint if you succeed as a manufacturer. Oh, absolutely. And especially here in this United States. And so so these key performance indicators are, are, are really 
about that. They're, but they're, again, they're more about process data. Okay, so you mentioned process data and product data earlier. Can you tell uh, what the difference is between the two or go into a little bit more detail on that? Sure. Um, process data, again, and I, I alluded to this earlier, has to do with the process or the cycle, usually machines or equipment. Okay, okay, the processes. Okay, okay. Yeah, so when 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 an operator is standing in front of, oops, standing in front of a machine, sorry, I hit my microphone. Hope that wasn't loud out there. Um, uh, if they're standing in front of a machine, that machine that's doing whatever it does, that is the process. Okay. Okay. It may be part of a larger uh, manufacturing line. I did it again. Sorry. I'm going to sit on my hands. I'm talking <laughs> with my hands if you can't tell. Um, it, it, it may be part of a larger manufacturing line. And each one of those is a process. Process. So in some manufacturing worlds, uh, it's what I call semi-automated, which means uh there's a person controlling one process, but then that person passes it down to the next person, and they have their sets of processes. And, it, and it, that's the way it is in automotive. We've seen the cars coming down the line, and they start out as just a, a chassis, and then by the time they go out the end, they're a finished car. And so each point, whether it's robots or people or whatever, there are processes going on as they're adding and building and assembling this, this, and that's quite a, uh, usually final assembly is what we call that. Okay. So those are all processes, machines, equipment, that kind of thing. Product would be the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so any data that has to do with the car. So every car, every automobile in the United States has a, a VIN, a vehicle identification number. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look at that VIN number, if it's a Ford, Toyota, Honda, whatever, if you go back to the factory with that VIN, they probably, they should be able to uh, see every process that it went through, uh-huh. what was applied to it. And, and we also call that traceability. So we're tracing, uh-huh. we're keeping up with the product as it comes through. So the data that has to do with that product. So as it goes through each process, what it went through, maybe quality checks, maybe uh, what parts it got, what settings were flashed in, those kind of things. Those are all, that's data that's specific to that product. And it could be different for the next product and different for the next product. So that's product data. Also, you could have data uh, associated with that product that says during during its time at this process, there was a, a process fault or machine fault, and it did not result in a part defect, a product defect, which would be a, a bad part uh-huh. that resulted from the machine fault. Okay. But it's nice to know that it happened for a lot of manufacturers if they get a return or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. And so... Again, the what they use it's just information, it's knowledge. So if you find out every time this fault happens, we don't think it hurts the part, but we're getting these returns and we realize that everyone that's coming back had that happen. So now all of a sudden we realize it's causing a defect down the line or something like that. So that it's just it's just improving your process and that's where the quality aspect of of continuous improvement comes about. Okay, okay. So what is defect flow out prevention and how is it different than Six Sigma? I think now I am not a Six Sigma black belt guy. There are many out there and I want to encourage you guys to chime in on the comments on what I'm saying here. I'm doing my best. Um, Six Sigma is, is a quality program. It's a, it's a quality standard. And so 
Six Sigma, I think to actually achieve Six Sigma is to achieve perfection, which means no quality. No, no defects, no nothing. De- well, well, no, yeah, uh, you, you're, you've attained perfection. Okay. I don't know that you can get, it, it's, I think it's, it's unattainable. It's like perfection, which means your process, your product, whatever is 100%, no defects, nothing. When it's built, when it's done, when it's finished. Okay, so there's, uh, manufacturers are striving for Six Sigma. Right. So, okay. so usually, from my experience, it's so many, so many defects per some quantity. Okay. Uh, the illustration that I've used in the path in the past is is your drinking water, and so all drinking water has some level of contaminants. In it. Um, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but through, I guess, the FDA, through whoever Trial measures stuff like that. <laughs> Hopefully, we've got it right that there's an acceptable level of lead and whatever bad stuff in the water that we drink every day out of the tap. Apparently, people don't buy into that too much because they still buy water filters and all that kind of thing. But nevertheless, there's an acceptable level. And so it's usually parts per, I don't know, billion, I guess, or something like that. So many parts per billion. So that Six Sigma is similar to that in manufacturing in that if we're going to have bad parts or defects, we can only allow a maximum of this many to occur. And then just your quality processes wants to catch them and keep them from, from going out. Okay. But that is not, that is not defect flow out prevention. It is, but it's not. So defect flow out prevention from my, from my experience really has to do with a movement or a philosophy called zero, uh, zero, zero defects, I guess. No defects, zero defects. Which is Six Sigma, right? And so, yeah. but the, the concept of, from my experience, the concept of that is to prevent the assembly. Remember I said earlier, the Six cross. Sigma was was making a perfectly quality built and fully assembled, ready ready to ship out on the truck part. Okay. Zero Defects basically says we want to remove the possibility of building a perfectly bad part. Oh. A defective part. So we want to stop a defect from ever happening versus the more traditional quality stance of we want to catch the defect after it's occurred. And so that's a little bit different perspective. If we're trying to change the processes so that the process is not allowed to occur if a defect is imminent. Okay. Versus a process is going to check the part to see if a defect occurred at the previous process. Okay. And if it did, we need to arrest that part. But now we've allowed the defect to occur when we're checking for it. And the defect flow out prevention says we want to eliminate the opportunity for the defect to have ever occurred to okay, begin with. Okay, okay. Now, traceability ties into that defect exactly. flow-out prevention? Yeah. Okay, okay. And and that's, I mean, that's largely uh, with our IOTA. You know, our IOTA is the derivation of our data commander. So the data commander was designed in 2014, developed in 2014, and its only job was just to connect the plant floor PLCs and manufacturing robots and all that kind of stuff to the upstairs database systems or the cloud-based systems nowadays. Not so prevalent, but still, the capabilities can be there. Or vice versa, just moving data. Maybe doing some mashups, but just moving data. The IOTA is what the Data Commander grew into, the IOTA platform, MES platform. And, and the primary difference is the IOTA, first of all, is more edge-based. The Data Commander is edge-based as well, but the IOTA is pure edge-based because... 
On the IOTA side, you can have um, your database server inside. It's in there. Oh, you don't have to go to the cloud or the enterprise? Or, or... the upstairs systems. Gotcha. You, you want to, but you don't want to have to rely upon those. Okay. And so we call that edge-based, meaning that it's on the edge where the production process is. So if the upstairs system goes offline, the production process can continue on, and we're still working off of that edge-based system. And so the reason that's important is... Um, when we're doing traceability, keeping the data is one thing, but telling the next machine process that it passed or, or maybe didn't even go through the previous process is what we call process skip check. Oh, okay. Um, but it, it's not just skipping the process. It's did it go through the process and fail. So it's both of those things I just said. It's, it's, it's saying if it goes to the next machine process, it checks back to see if it went through the previous process, but then also, did it pass if there was a quality check there? Did it go through correctly? And if it didn't, it does not give permission to that next process to start. So it's a method of defect uh, blowout prevention if it's caught within the process. Now, there's also a cost savings there uh, because a perfectly built bad part still took as much time, resources, and materials to build and if you get it to the very end of the line, the assembly line, and then they look at it and say, this is bad, throw it in the scrap bin, scrap it out. You've scrapped out all those parts. Whereas if you're mid-process, this is bad, you have the opportunity to rework it, okay. probably better to, to fix whatever didn't happen on the previous process or rerun it on that process. Or if you have to scrap it, you've only scrapped a percentage of the time, the labor times what I mean. Uh, so the labor and the parts you've only, you've minimized, hopefully the amount that you scrap out. So we, we refer to that as defect flow out prevention, trying to stop the defect before it happens, before it starts. So are there, uh, dashboards and stuff that people that at the plants where they can see, uh, see what's going on uh, in their processes? Right. And, and that's, okay. that's in the IOTA as well. So what I was previously talking about is our, is our IOTA workflow manager where you can basically design your processes and connect them for a certain part number or you gotta you gotta have a means of tracing the parts. So you've gotta have some type of I don't know, a QR code or a barcode or something that an RFID or something that allows us to know to identify specifically that part to follow it through your process. Or a lot of parts or you know, a lot, not meaning many, but you know, a, a pallet of parts okay. or something like that. Um <laughs> So uh, you have to have the ability to do that traceability, but that's our workflow manager, and it's part of our IOTA process. And so it's very easy for anybody to put together, uh, to build their processes, connect them for certain part numbers, and do one-to-many, many-to-one relationships and those kind of things. But then there's the dashboard tools, which are included with all of our IOTAs. And it's a drag-and-drop dashboard tool, again, very easy to use. That's the theme, of course, of our IOTA platform, is easy, uh, empowering our customers through easy programming and setup. But that allows you to create a web-based dashboard or multiple dashboards so that you can see the KPIs that we're talking about here for a specific line or lines and things of that nature. Okay. And you had mentioned databases before. And have you noticed that there have been some negative perceptions about databases where I don't want to deal with it, it's too hard? Can uh, Are there any examples that you can give that maybe there were misperceptions that slowed or even stopped a project because they're like, oh, I'm not a database person. I don't want to deal with that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's where most all of us controls engineers were 
were and probably a lot still are. Um, database, database, database programming is is different. Um, we don't typically think in terms of that. We think still in terms of commas, what we call comma-separated value type files or, or CSV files, which is really more spreadsheets. spreadsheets. Okay. Uh, in Excel. And so the, the, I don't want to say misperception, but the, the comment I get from a lot of folks is, uh, we don't need to deal with any kind of a database. Just Can you just get this to show up in Excel? And there's ways to do that. Uh, a lot of the PLC, manu- some of the PLC manufacturers have uh, uh, the ability to interface directly with Microsoft Excel specifically. Um, we don't, I don't typically encourage that because, because if you're using our data commander, our IOTA, you don't need to be fearful of databases anymore. You can interface with databases very easily. It's very much point and click. That was the point of the data commander in the IOTA was because in 2014, I was looking for a new way because I was not a database person. I was not comfortable with databases at all. I had this horrible, horrible thing called OPC that we were dealing with and screaming about, oh, please connect and all that kind of stuff. And and then it was all in a, in a PC-based platform uh, on a SCADA system. And we had firewalls and viruses, virus engines and all the stuff that IT was pushing down. And it was just annihilating our communications paths and, and our productivity, or so we felt like. Um, today, 2020, I have a totally different perspective of that. And have gained a huge respect over the last six years for what the network and IT people do in terms of security and cybersecurity. But we, uh, controls engineers, still are more comfortable about Excel because we use Excel. We don't use databases, and databases are kind of magic. Um, however, you should not fear the database. The database is built to do one thing, and that is to house data. Excel is built to be a spreadsheet. <laughs> It's different. It's different tools. You wouldn't use a screwdriver to drive a nail. It just wouldn't work as well. You could uh, turn it around and bang it. You can bang <laughs> it. You can use a hammer to drive a screw, but it doesn't always go well. So getting the right tools in play and in the hands of the people, uh, because my, my theory is this. Once once you take the data out of the PLC world, uh-huh. the and I shouldn't even say PLC, but the OT, the Operational Technology Manufacturing Floor, once we can get it from that world into a database server, there is all manner of easy-to-use programs out there. Excel's one of them that can easily connect to that database. And now if you want to Excel, you can do that. If you want it inside of uh, an, uh, another SCADA system, you can do that. If you want it inside of another database, you can do that. There's there's all these hooks that are already in place once it gets into that database world. But as long as that data is sitting in a PLC or a robot or a CNC controller, there's not a good connection. Okay. And that's what the IOTA does is make that connection for and, you. And there, if it's still sitting in there, there's no way to measure the KPIs. Well, that's where your data's coming from. I mean, we're everything here we were talking about, there's people involved, but there's also equipment. There's always equipment involved in production. And so that's where you're key data is is in the equipment yeah and 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 having people do tick sheets and write down end of shift reports and stuff like that is certainly fine but it's prone for errors yeah you can um fat finger something in well you know we were were talking to a a potential customer just just the other day 
And they have, within a single process, they need to, for, for their KPI structure, they need to take all multiple data measurements all at the same time. I mean, within the same second. Oh, wow. And that's hard. But they also need to do it across multiple lines. Well, that's really hard. For, for a human being to try and write down, and we're talking about five to ten indicators. Not a huge amount, but still to try and take a, a look. I, you know, if you had a dashboard, I guess you could snap a shot of it with your phone oh, yeah. and then write it down. But but you can't snap a shot across five lines. So you're going to need five people. Well, that's expensive. Yeah. And so being able to do that in an automated fashion certainly makes all the difference. Well, that's why uh, industrial automation, it doesn't have to be. Myopic? That's right. Myopic short-sighted. That's right. Sorry, I turned away from the microphone there for just a second. That's a great word, and and this was a great topic. I appreciate you putting that together. Well, thanks for uh, doing your research on it, because I know you had to look up some stuff for it. Well, like I said... You know know the process data and the product data up and down, the traceability and defect flow out and the quality and stuff like that, but uh, thanks for looking into the TEEP. Well, I am not, 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 not a quality engineer, and I am not a production engineer, uh, but I have had the privilege and the honor to work with quite a few that are fantastic, and so they've taught me a lot of stuff about that, Um, and hopefully we've passed on some some morsels of goodness to our our listening audience. So please uh, like us, share us, follow us, and um, give, give us your comments. Absolutely. So... These podcasts, again, every other Tuesday, uh, they release, and uh, we're going to keep going. Uh, we'll, we'll even go through Christmas, so right. stick with us, um, uh, and on into 2021. So we want to thank everybody for listening. As Beth had said, uh, keep telling people about us. The best way to, and the easiest way to find us is just to search in, in your favorite podcast app. Just search for the name Elitech, E-L-L-I-T-E-K. And uh, we should pop up industrial automation. It doesn't have to. So we look forward to talking with you guys in the comments section. Take care.